Welcome to the City Edge Church podcast. For more information, please visit our website at cityedgechurch.org.au. We hope that you enjoy this message. There's a, there's a big importance in breaking routine because um, it was even something I was thinking about last week. I just, normally I've got routine in my life. We all have routines and, you know, I'll get home and I'll have dinner and I'll read a book or do something else boring or whatever. But I just got home and I was like, man, when was the last time I worshipped at night? And it was actually that song that I just got on my piano, started playing it, and man, just to, just to shake things up in your world and, and to remember the presence of God. Remember that He, he doesn't just want to, you know, do the same thing, but He's actually got something new to pour out to us, that His power wants to move through your life. And I encourage you, wherever you are here, you don't have to have a great voice, you don't have to know how to play the piano, but if you do, I know a great music tutor. Uh, <laughs> You don't have to have any of that. You just got to have a heart that loves God. And uh, I, I see a lot of hearts that love God in this place, and that, that gets me excited because all, it all comes back to the heart. Where there's a heart, power is going to be poured out. Whew, how you going? Uh, awesome. Well, I'm here to preach. <laughs> it's going to be great. I'm going to preach on uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4. Um, oh, anyone got a tissue? My nose is just like running like some waterworks. Um, praise God. Uh, I don't know why, but God just made me a crier. Um, it's, it's what he made me. I'm not proud of it. I don't like flaunting it. I'm not, I'm not a big fan of the like hyper emotion, which is like in my head, but that's what I am as a person. So, um, you know, got to be who you are, I guess. Uh, but 2 Timothy chapter 4 is what we're going through. Um, if you got your Bible, why not open up to it? Thank you very much. Um, blessed Kate. All right, we're good. All right, let's preach. Come on. <laughs> hey. All right, 2 Timothy chapter 4. Um, this is the last um, chapter um, of not just 2 Timothy, but also what it seems to be of Paul's basically entire letters. And there's a bit of a weight to it in that there. And we're, we're going to read a little bit about that. It's almost like he's kind of giving his, his parting words, his, you know, his famous last words to Timothy there. And uh, if you've read this chapter, you'll know that the first half is kind of him um, telling Timothy some stuff, sort of exhorting him um, in some matters there. And then the second half is him just saying g'day and catch you later to a bunch of blokes with weird and funny names. And so uh, can you guess which one we're going to focus on tonight? It's the first half, praise God. But um, I'm sure there's some amazing revelation to get from those g'days and catch you later in the second half. And you can pull that out yourself at home there. Um, but I've got a word that I believe is a, a bit in season, a bit out of season at the same time. Um, it's in season because I, I truly do believe that God wants to speak to you tonight. He wants to encourage you. He wants to grow you. He wants to challenge you. Uh, but it's out of season because really I just couldn't shake it. I was trying to shake it because it did just feel like such an out of season word. But I just really felt to bring it tonight. Um, tonight is a word on judgment. Da, da, da. Everyone's currently, the sweat, the temperature in the room just went up. Everyone's a little scared. Uh, you know, you're, you're looking for the fire exits. Um, just kidding. No. Um, and it's funny that sometimes that can be people's um, reaction to that word judgment because we think of judgment and we associate it with things like, you know, judgmental people, self-righteous people, or we think of judgment and we, we think it's the same word as punishment, like to, to be judged is that's what happens in court and then you go and die or something like that. Um, that's actually, and I agree, those forms, you know, um, judgmental people, self-righteous people, I 
that negative stuff. That's not what we want here. Uh, but the judgment that the, by the biblical conception of judgment is actually something that we should love um, because we are judged unto righteousness. Um, and that's something that Paul kind of um, brings out in this message here is that it is by Christ the judge that I receive my crown of righteousness here. Um, and that, that is almost the entire my message. But I want to unpack it because um, I, I really believe that God's got something to speak to you and I tonight um, regarding this here. But why don't we pray? as we enter into this word. Lord God, we thank you that you are good, that you hold the truth. Lord, that your presence is in this place tonight. And God, I pray, Lord, let your presence move through this word, Lord, through your word, God, through, through the scripture that you've given us, Lord Jesus, through, through the revelation, Lord God, which you would reveal to each and every single person here tonight, God. We know that your word is alive and active, and Lord God, I thank you and declare that it would be alive and active in the soul and the heart of every single person here, Jesus. Lord God, as we open up and dig into, Lord, what you have to say to us, we thank you it is transforming us, Lord God. It is changing us from the inside out. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, 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 amen. Awesome. All right, we're going to go through this. I encourage you to open up your uh, Bible to 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. I'm reading from the ESV, but feel free to do what you want. Um, all right, it's also going to be in the big Bible up on the screen here. So why don't we read here? And so as I said, Paul talking to Timothy. He says, I charge you in the presence of God and Christ Jesus, who is what? Who is to judge the living and the dead and by his appearing in his kingdom to preach the word. Tick Harrison, I'm a done it, guys. Good job. That's me fulfilling this chapter. I'm just kidding. It's more, it's more than that. To preach the Word, to be ready in season and out of season. What does that mean? Well, one thing that I want to let you know is that preaching is not just for the preacher, so to speak here. Pre this is not just a letter written to uh, Pastor Paul and, and Pastor Nick and me on the occasion that I get up here. This is actually something for every single believer here. Can I let you know that your world is your mission field? And that it doesn't matter whether, and I love that Paul brings this up, both in season and out of season. What is he saying? At all times. You know, there's season, there's not season, there's nothing else. In season, out of season. When you're full of faith and passion, go preach to your workplace. When you're not even sure if you quite believe anymore, do it anyway because God commanded you to and his word has power, whether it's not relying on you in itself there. You know, preach it to your friends, preach it to your family, preach it through your words, preach it through your action. And, and how should you preach the word? This is how um, Paul goes on. He says, we are to reprove, to rebuke and to exhort. There's some big words, but basically, if I can make it simple, direct people in the right way and encourage them as they do so. You know, reproving and rebuking is like, hey, that ain't good for you, but this might be. Exhorting is great job. You did what I said. But uh, it's that simple, right? And then um, and then he says, though, don't do it with frustration. Don't do it with, you know, unhelpfulness and like, oh, just figure it out. No, do it with patience and with teaching. Do it with patience and with teaching. How reproving and rebuking sucks when it's not done with patience or teaching, but it can be the best thing for your life if it is done with that there, and we can outwork that as we preach the Word. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions, and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. Can I let you know, if you're not getting challenged, you're probably not growing, and you're probably just looking for something to, uh, to, to tickle you and make you feel all good on the inside. Now, look, there's nothing wrong with feeling good. 
I like being happy. Happy is a great emotion to have there. But if you are only ever listening to things that make you feel good on the inside, my question is, where are you growing? Because the truth wants to challenge you. The truth wants to actually grow you into the person that God's calling you to be there. And as for you, always be what? Always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. There's a lot in there. Be sober-minded. Keep your head in reality. Don't go off into the clouds, into crazy land. Realize that there's a world in front of you that needs saving. Endure suffering. This has been a thread all throughout this letter, and I was kind of, I was actually thinking of doing a message more on that there, but what does it mean is that we often talk about, you know, let's imitate Christ, but when we we say that, sometimes we just think about, yeah, imitate him in all, like, the good stuff, you know, like, imitate him in the fact that he was, like, getting invited to sick parties and turning water into wine, like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna imitate Christ in that, forgetting that, you know, half of the Gospels is him brutally dying, Um, and and is anyone, is anyone hearing me right now, tonight, you know, we're called to imitate Christ in the entirety, to endure suffering, not to, not to go about suffering with pride, saying, I'm above this, but to know that God actually wants to grow you through the crushing, through the pressing, that He actually wants to do something in your life and through your life there. Do the work of an evangelist, what He said before. If you don't know, evangelist is like the Greek word for um, good news bringer. And good news is what we call our message of Christianity. What, what do we believe? We believe the good news. And I just, just a little tangent, because I love tangents. If you do CLC, you'll know I love tangents, but I promise you there's, there's just so much gold in them. If you, uh, uh, anyway, uh, but um, this is just one thing I really felt to say tonight is I remember sitting in these seats and hearing people talk about the good news and be like, look, I'm a Christian, but I got no idea what that is. Like, you know, I like, I know Jesus died for me, but I don't know really what that means. Like, I know he rose again. I believe that, but I'm not like 100% sure what that has to do with my salvation or why I should tell someone about that. Can I let you know, um, if you have those questions, go talk to a pastor. Go get into the Word of God. Let God reveal the truth of the good news to you because we're called what? To be evangelists, to be bringers of the good news, to preach the Word. And we can't preach the Word if we don't know the Word. We can't preach the Bible if we don't know the Bible. We can't preach what Jesus did for us if we don't know what Jesus did for us. And so I, I know it's one thing to have faith. It's another thing to be able to express that faith there. And you know you've got faith, but you might be struggling to express it. Hey, please do not feel ashamed. Please do not feel in any way that, you know, oh my gosh, I should know this stuff. I don't want to talk to anyone about it. Like, I, we are all still learning about the amazing majesty of God. There, there is, there, to an extent, there is still no way to 100% comprehend everything that Jesus has done because he's just so far above us. But we have amazing pastors in this church. We have, you have probably an amazing life group leader that can walk you through that so that you can fulfill the call of God to be an evangelist in the situation that you are in. Tangent done, back to the word. Um, and then it kind of shifts gears a little bit here. Um, oh, one last thing, fulfill your ministry. Fulfill your ministry. You have a ministry. You have a call. You have a world that you exist in with people in that are called to hear the good news. And so wherever you are, if you're in business and you know that God made you as a business person, hey, bring the good news to that business. If you're a, if you're a churchy like me and you know God puts you in the church and puts you on a stage, hey, preach that gospel as good as you can. If you are someone in your, in your high school and maybe you're even just coming to church for the first three months, hey, fulfill the word of God still and preach the good news. Invite your friends to youth, bring Jesus wherever you are, fulfill your ministry. And then Paul says, for I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. Now, a little bit of context. What's a drink offering? It's, uh, it's something from the Old Testament, and it was an offering given to God, basically, to, for, for the sins of, you know, of the Israelites here. Uh, but to give it a bit of a more Christian context, uh, if we read Luke 22, verse 20, this is Jesus' word. And we did communion tonight, and this is where Jesus institutes communion. He says, this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant of my blood. 
The, that juice that we drank tonight symbolizes the, the cup that Jesus poured out. And what is Paul saying here? He's, uh, he's saying, just as Jesus poured out his life for the good news, I've been pouring out my life for it too. I've been pouring out my life for it too. But here the, the kind of sad part of the letter comes about is Paul is saying, and, and my life, sir, I'm about to depart. I've been, I've been pouring out my life as a drink offer, offering, and the time of my departure has come. Can I let you know, as a Christian, you're called to pick up your cross. And we are called to pour out our lives in the same way that Jesus did, in the same way that Paul did, because the reward for it is the greatest reward that we can ever receive. I'm, I'm, man, I'm, I'm really getting into this, like, the end of my word at the, at the start. But anyway, I'll keep going for the, the sake of what I've um, already prepared. Um, for I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. What's Paul pointing back to? Uh, if you were here two weeks ago, I preached on chapter two where he exhorts Timothy to, as a soldier, to follow what his commander says. You know, follow what God says. Don't get caught up in the other stuff. As a, as a runner, to run the race to completion. And, and Paul's basically saying, what I told you to do, Timothy, of obey God, do what he said, I've done it as well. I've done it in my life. I've, I've followed him to the end. I've kept the faith. And oh, that we would all be able to say that when, you know, we're in a prison. I, I hope you're not in a prison. But, you know, when we're at Paul's age... Um, and if you are, great job. Um, Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Has anyone loved the appearing of our Savior? Good. A couple people in this church. That's all right. Hopefully, I'll convert the rest of you by the end of tonight. Um, (laughs) It's a joke. I'm just having fun. Um, That last verse we're going to stick on a bit. It really is the heart of this message. Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. You know what I love here? Is that Paul doesn't think he's achieved righteousness yet, but he knows that Christ, the judge, will judge that righteousness to him when his day finally comes. And that is all of our prayer here tonight. Um, but as I, as I said um, at the start of this message, I love judgment. Um, I've been introduced to a new realm of judgment, um, entering into marriage. And if you think I'm being facetious or like jokey right now, I'm being 100% sincere. And I I hope to explain that a little bit to you there. Um, And I'll I'll give that a go right now. So um, entering into marriage, uh, I did run by all these examples by Linnea, so she's not getting uh, tricked into anything here tonight. Um, A new judgment, a new standard of living came upon my life where I realized that eating me growing three meals a day was um, not quite um, the the way to go about... um, you know, refining your culinary and dietary habits. Um, you know, and I'm not even being facetious before. I was like, what's the problem with that? Getting married, it's like, ah, oh, there is this new judgment upon my life. And I realize I need to live at a higher standard than, uh, you know, eating me MSG um, for the rest of my days. Thank you, Linnea. Um, another, another example is, um, you know, back in the day, and by that I mean yesterday, um, I would um, really like to, I, I used to have this idea that, you know, spending my Saturday playing video games was just like a great way to live my life. It was like, you know, it's my Sabbath, I'm resting in the Lord, playing Call of Duty. Um, <laughs> I don't actually play Call of Duty, I played way nerdier stuff than that, um, but um, since getting married, I kind of had the, this new judgment came into my life where, hey, maybe that's not the best way to use the limited hours that I have on this earth playing video games. Now, if you are playing video games, God bless you with that conviction. Um, don't worry, like I said, I'm still doing it too, but there's this new awareness that there is a better way to live my life there. Um, Another one, which is probably slightly less funny, but I'm hoping all the married people can say amen, otherwise we're in serious trouble. Um, I, I, one thing I, I've, a new judgment that came upon me is that um, ignoring um, 
the person that I'm annoyed at um, is not a good way to deal with conflict. And you might think I'm joking, but in the past, I'm like, yeah, just, you know, don't, don't address it. Just, like, move on and it'll be fine. Like, that is literally what I thought. Since getting married and, you know, um, having to share a room, it's like, maybe communication is a better way to go about conflict than ignoring someone. And you're all laughing at me right now, but I can guarantee there is someone in this room, probably many people in this room, who you have not experienced that new standard of judgment in your life. It will come one day. Um, praise God. Uh, same thing as the video games. I'm still trying to live to that standard. But nonetheless, I'm happy that judgment has come upon my life. Why? Because it is growing me. And you might be saying, all right, Harris, I'm still not convinced. Judgment sounds like a, I don't want that. That's not good. The world said judgment is bad. So none of that. Can I let you know, if you're a university student in this place, you are literally paying 30000 or so dollars to have someone critically judge you intensely for three years of your life. That's what it is. You hand in assignments and they tear them to shreds and they say, this is where you're wrong. This is where, you know, because you're studying nursing, if you actually did this, you would kill someone. Um, and so please fix your mistakes and that'll be great. And you get a, a credit for this one. Let's get you a distinction next time, you know, and you stick your hand up in class and say, I think you need to stab the needle into their cheek instead of their arm. They're like, that's wrong. I'm going to judge you. Um, but hopefully by my judging, I'm going to prepare you for a field where you can flourish and grow because that's what you want to do. We seek judgment. We seek people that we trust to come into our lives and tell us, hey, this is something that needs to change. It's something that if, if, even if we don't acknowledge it, we all do it. And maybe you're saying, no, 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 Harrison, seriously, I don't do that. I don't get advice from anyone except myself. Guess whose judgment you're listening to? Your own judgment. And can I tell you that listening to our own judgment is where things got all messed up in this, place, in this earth in the first place. We, all we got to do is go back to Genesis to realize listening to our own judgment didn't work out too well for us. I love um, what Karl Barth says. He says, all sin has its being and origin in the fact that man wants to be his own judge. And in wanting to be that and thinking and acting accordingly, he and his whole world is in conflict with God. Pretty brutal, right? <laughs> now, you might be thinking, Harrison, you just like judgment because you're perfect. And so you're just like, and I know, I know, I would be thinking that too. Um, just kidding. Um, but I, I, I want to say in all sincerity um, that I, well, obviously there is no perfection in this person right here, the same way that there's no perfection in any of these seats here. I don't, I don't like judgment because I'm hoping to be judged so I can say, ha, ah, see, I did it. You, you were judging me on the standard and I actually achieved it. No, I like judgment because it pulls me up. I like the judgment of God because it actually gets rid of the sin in my life it, and it draws me unto righteousness. You know, I can remember one of the, um, one of the best days of my life um, took place um, in an office up here. I was about 17 or 18 and I was just the worst person in the world, hey. Um, like, I was just just your classic like teenage, just reckless doing dumb stuff. Sorry, teenagers, love you. Uh, not all teenagers do it, but I definitely was one. Um, I was just like toxic, like in, even in this church, it was just causing division, just not nice or anything like that there. But for some reason, I don't know why, for some reason I thought it would be a smart idea to uh, bring my situation to uh, a pastor at the time and be like, hey, I'm kind of doing these things and I kind of maybe feel like I it's wrong, but I don't know why. Like, I was like, hey, I'm open. I, I trust you because I know that you're good and I know that you have the best in mind for me. So here I am open to your judgment. You know, what's, what am I doing wrong in my life? And can I let you know, he basically pulled out like a triple quadrillion barreled shotgun 
and just like spiritually shot me in the chest like 20 million times, just threw a grenade, pulled out a katana, like then threw me out the window, all spiritually. Um, it was all, you know, um, OH&S safe, but the guy just destroyed me. He just absolutely tore me to shreds. And like, I gotta tell you, I left that room like literally in a daze, like, like I just got, you know, awakened from being unconscious of like, what just happened? This guy just absolutely drilled me. I wanted you to help my life, not destroy me. I'm so sad. Um, but that was the greatest thing in my life because that judgment drew me onto righteousness. Because I was open, and here's something a little bit controversial, because I was open to a pastor in my church and said, hey, I'm living this way, and I maybe have an inkling that I could be living a better way, because I had an open heart and a trust to him. Um, I, he had the permission to come in and maybe do some rearranging my life that really needed to be done, and I wouldn't be the man that I am today without it there. You know, I don't want friends that just coddle me. I don't want friends that just say, yeah, everything that you're doing is right. You're perfect, Harrison, because they're friends that aren't sober-minded. They're friends that don't have their head in reality. Either that or they don't have the boldness enough to actually tell me the truth. And you know what? We all need the truth. We all need the truth that, you know, and hear me right. Just before everyone's like, man, this got real fire and brimstone tonight. Like what happened to City Edge Church? Oh my goodness. Hear me right. I'm not trying to bring across some like, everything about you is wrong. You need to go and everyone needs to go and chat to their pastor. And, you know, we're going to have just a line at the end of the service, a passport at the front. Everyone's just going to, that's not what I'm saying. It's not that we're like all completely these messed up human beings, but none of us are perfect. None of us are perfect. Some of us might feel like we're a little bit more unperfect than the others there, but it doesn't matter how righteous by human standards we think we are. We will never achieve perfection in the here and now. We will when the righteous judge comes down and gives us the crown of righteousness, as Paul talks about here. But we all, it doesn't matter if you've been in this church for 20 years and been talking to Pastor Paul every single day and, you know, to the point that he's getting sick of you and he's blocked your number. I'm just kidding. A pastor loves you. He trusts you and so do your life group leaders. Go and um, have a chat with them there. But the reality is that we all have things to work through. And my question for all of us here tonight is, when was the last time you were open to someone about your life? When was the last time you were open to someone about your life actually seeking them to help you? Because I gotta let you know, we, the fact that you're in this church means you have some great resources for people to direct you in the way of godliness. You know, the fact that you're in this church means that you've got life group leaders around here, you have ministry leaders that have walked a journey of Christendom. I can remember being like a, you know, a three-year-old Christian, not three years old, but a Christian for like three years or five years and looking at these guys that have been doing the faith for like, you know, 30 years and be like, Shh, I bet I know so much more than them. <laughs> man, they got nothing to say to me. Man, I read my Bible like once this week. Like, man, I know my stuff. Um, and it's, it's jokey, but the reality is, is the way as human beings that sometimes we're wired. We're all wired to think that we know best. The reality is you have great people around you in this room that are there to help and guide you on the way that, that God is calling you to. Um, and I'm looking at that clock, so create a team. Come on up here. We're going to worship, and we're going to allow the presence of God to minister to us in this place here tonight. But if I can just say to you here, judgment, it can hurt, but it is the best thing for your life. Judgment, it can hurt, but it is the best thing to your life. And the reality is, is that you are always listening to someone's judgment. If you're not listening to the judgment of God, you're probably listening to the judgment of your friends that aren't a big fan of God or this Christian deal. 
who are judging you for being here, saying, you know, why do you go to church? And they're placing a judgment on your life. If you're not listening to the judgment of your pastor, maybe you're listening to the judgment of Instagram or, you know, whatever show on Netflix that just keeps screaming, you know, not explicitly but implicitly to you that, yeah, sex with your girlfriend, like, just go for it, you know? Like, you'll probably end up married, and if you don't, it's all good, you know? Like, just do it there. Hey, hello, am I, am I reaching anyone here tonight here? No matter where we are in life, we're going to listen to someone's judgment. Either it's going to be our imperfect judgment, it's going to be the imperfect judgment of our friends, or we can listen to the perfect judgment of Jesus Christ and Him alone. And I'm going to tell you, I love our pastors. I love my wife. I love my parents. I trust their judgments over and above all things. But you know who I love even more than my pastors, even more than my wife, even more than my family, is I love Jesus Christ even more. And I'll listen to His judgment every single day. But I know that His judgment funnels through the people that He's placed in my life. And God has placed people in your life that have wisdom, that have the ability to guide you to the future that you have destined for you, that have the ability to guide you into places that you don't even believe that you could end up in, to levels of influence where you're truly fulfilling the call of God upon your life. You have people around you that are ready to help you get to that place there. If we would just say, I want to listen to your judgment, Jesus, not the judgment of the world. I want to listen to the judgment that's going to bring me onto righteousness, not the judgment that's going to bring me to wickedness. I want to listen to the judgment that is perfecting me, that is sanctifying me, that is saving my soul, not the judgment that constantly leads me back to those habits which I know are destroying me and eating me from the inside out. Whose judgment are we going to listen to? Because I've got to tell you, church, I said at the start and I'll say it again, I love the judgment of God because it makes me righteous. And I'm not perfect and I won't be perfect here and now, but I know that when I come to the end of days, because I have loved the appearing of our Savior, that He will give me that kind of righteousness like He will all who run the race to the finish, all who fight the good fight, all who keep the faith. Why don't we stand to our feet? We're going to sing this song yet again because I believe God still wants to minister, still wants to speak to some people here tonight. I believe this isn't just a word for you to write down in your notepad or into your, your iPhone. I believe it's a word to be lived out tomorrow. I believe this is a word that is going to change people's lives because this is the word of the gospel, that God loves you despite your failings, that Jesus died for you, that it is by His grace that you are saved, it is by His grace that He will carry you forward into the life, to the call that He has for you. Jesus has great things planned for you here tonight. Hey, close your eyes, church, and raise your hands in this moment here. Let's give glory to our God.